You are listening to a Live City Church podcast, and we hope you'll experience Jesus today. We are excited to have you join our extended online church family. If you would like further information or wish to access more content, please connect with us on our Live City Church Facebook page or visit us at livecitychurch.com. chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. It's amazing, like, uh, we can try and simplify the story of Christmas, but actually there's layer upon layer of information on there where God reveals his heart and his love for people. And, you know, to preach a message, that's why we can preach year after year. There's so many deeper underlying messages that are stored in the Word of God, and, and this is just one of those Sundays I get the privilege of being able to unpack for you. Luke chapter 2 verse 8 to 20. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. And in that vicinity, verse 8, there were shepherds living out under the open sky in the field, watching in shifts over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood by them, and the glory of the Lord flashed and shone all about them. And they were terribly Frightened. If you're wondering what it's like to have an encounter with an angel, every single encounter in the Word of God says they were frightened. So they're not that, ah, just wonderful feeling. It will shock you. You'll be in fear. That's just every single account. Verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of a great joy which will come to all people. For to you is born this day in the town of David a Savior, who is Christ the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you by which you will recognize him. You will find, after searching, a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Then suddenly there appeared with the angel an army of the troops of heaven, a heavenly knighthood praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among men with whom he is well pleased, men of goodwill of his favor. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing, saying that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste, and by searching, found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known what had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it were astounded and marveled with, at what the shepherds told them. But Mary was keeping within herself all these things, these sayings, weighing and pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen just as it had been told them. What a powerful passage. Now, there's a lot of things I could share with you on, in this passage. If you read the King James Version, the Bible tells you a bit about the angels. The Bible says in the King James Version, the angel of the Lord, not an angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord. Gabriel is one of the angels of the Lord who is entrusted with this incredible message. But what I want to focus on this morning is why the shepherds? 
If you think about this, it is the king of kings. See, we're so used to the story that you can't think of anything else but the manger. But I just want to change your mindset for a minute, your perspective. God could have easily gone to the highest echelons of power and authority. He could have gone to the politicians and made known this incredible king that was to be born. The fear of God would come. And now you understand, yeah, King Herod, he wanted the power. He was a king not by birth. The actual king by birth is Jesus' dad, Joseph, who comes from the lineage of David. He actually was King Joseph. No one knows that. He was a humble carpenter by this time. So the king that was in charge, King Herod, wasn't actually a king. But he was voted to be a king or empowered, not voted, sorry, empowered by the Roman government to be the king of Israel because the Roman government realized the people of Israel kept fighting and, and uh, struggling with a Roman emperor and a Roman empire. So what they did was they picked a, an Israelite, a Jew, someone they could relate to so that if they got angry with anyone, it wasn't the Roman empire, they got angry with the king of Israel. So that's why they selected a king. But you would say to yourself, yeah, but King Herod tried everything to kill this baby Jesus. You know the story. The wise men came to him. Again, I just want to blow your mindset a little bit. The Bible never said there were three wise men. The Bible says when the wise men entered the city, they caused such a furor. It was such a big noise. There was such a big troop of people, an army, that... The king heard about it and came back to me, asked for an audience with the wise men. All we know is they gave gifts, plural, of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So all these wise men. So you know there's probably a minimum of three, but it could have been 12 wise men for all we know. We just know that there was such a noise that was made in that town. And, and, they, and they said to Herod, where is this king that's to be born? And later on he asked the the religious leaders of the day, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, tell me where this king was to be born. And they knew exactly. They quoted from the book of Micah. And they said it was prophesied that he would come from Bethlehem. That's going to be what we know as Bethlehem. But I'm going to break that one apart a bit more for you and explain why the shepherds. It's very interesting when you find out these little pieces of the puzzle. But had God appeared to King Herod, if Gabriel appeared to King Herod, that might have been enough to set him to set in motion steps that would see Jesus assume the authority and power as the rightful king of Israel. But God chose not to reveal himself to the politicians and to the kings. God could have chosen the rich men of the land. These are men of renown, men of worth, to reveal himself so that they could be part of this great kingdom that Jesus would usher in. But this too wasn't the plan of God. So we're asking ourselves this question, why the shepherds? If you imagine yourself, you've got the kings over here, the businessmen next to them. The shepherds were the complete and opposite contrast. You couldn't find poorer people in the land. These were people that were despised. These were the people that were set apart. You see, you need to understand again the Jewish psyche. That if you, were, if you touched, okay, we'll say this, uh, manure, okay, animal uh, product, byproducts, right? You were considered dirty. But part of the job of the shepherd was to clean the dung off the, the, the sheep's backside. So they were constantly dirty. They were constantly in a place where they were unclean. And they had to go away for seven days to clean themselves before they could ever interact with other people. So these shepherds are the castoffs. They rejected. They were off in the field somewhere that no one wanted to know. 
And they were there taking shifts, looking after uh, these sheep. And there's going to be something incredible I want to unpack for you there. But let's just unpack the word a little bit more. Verse 15 says, The shepherd said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. You see, you have to wonder to yourself if God told King Herod by an angel, it is possible that indeed King Herod would have been terrified because every time an angel appears, they're terrified. But would he have given up his authority and power to give it to Jesus? Would he actually have gone out of his way to go and visit this Jesus? It makes you wonder, would rich businessmen go out of their way to go to a lonely, lowly stable? Here's the interesting thing about the word manger. When you look up that word manger, what you're thinking of and what you've seen pictures of is that it's made of wood. Am I right? It's made of wood put together with some delicious hay in there and a baby, cute baby Jesus. What it actually was was rock that was hewn out to make a little bit of a trough. And yes, there was hay there where the animals would feed. But we don't know how long the trough was because it was meant to feed all the animals. In fact, that word manger also means like a cave. So you're thinking to yourself, there was no room in the inn, and so they had to go to the stable. But I want you to picture for a moment, it probably wasn't a stable made of wood either. The whole thing was made of rock. It was a hole in a rock. It was a cave. And inside that cave was another rock that was hewn where the animals could eat from. So this is the lowliest of the lowest place that you can find. It makes you think to yourself, why did God choose the lowliest of the lowest place? And why did he choose to reveal himself to shepherds? We know this much. The shepherds were so humble that this news was completely exploding their world because the Jewish people had waited for thousands of years for the revealing of who the Messiah is. They've been waiting for this Messiah for a long time. The Bible tells us when Jesus came to be christened on that day, bar, uh, not bar mitzvah, to get the, the cut, to be presented before the Lord on the eighth day, that Simeon appeared, an old man who had been revealed by God that you will not die until you have seen the Messiah, the Christ. And so he was still alive, waiting and waiting and waiting for the Messiah to be revealed. But he wasn't the first one that this revelation came to. So think about this. He's been waiting for years and years. And there's another woman, Anna, the prophetess. So here's a woman that had been waiting. She's about 80-something years old. Her husband died early in marriage. And the Bible says she devoted herself to come to the temple and fast and pray all the time, regularly, every day, appearing in that temple, praying and waiting for the revelation of this Messiah. Even she didn't see him. The wise men, they saw this incredible star and realized there's something extraordinary about the star that is not normal. Now, if you were at the carols, you would have heard a little bit about this mini message I brought. But it's interesting that word wise men, they're actually called a magi. It comes from the word magic, which comes from the word magician. So they weren't just scientists or wise men. They were magicians. They were not just astronomers. They were also astrologers. They were into witchcraft. And these men who were into witchcraft and sciences recognized enough when a star appeared in the sky, a new star, that a king was born. It was just a thing they knew. So imagine that. For years and years and years, this information had been passed from wise men to wise men to look for the star. Wise men are still looking for stars. And when they saw the star, here's the thinking I realized. They don't come from the same country. 
Those wise men that appeared together, they appeared together on the journey following a star. They were watching the movement of the star from when it first appeared, and they, they tracked the movement for how long? Two years. So you've got the prophetess Anna. You've got Simeon, who's been in the temple waiting for 80 years for the revelation, the revealing of the Messiah. And you've got these wise men who've been searching for two years, and instead of that, the angels appear to a bunch of shepherds had no clue, no idea of any of this, these things going on. And they didn't earn the right to see them. God just appeared to them. Here's the thing I love about the story. God looks at the lowliest of the low. God notices you. Just turn to the person next to you tell them, God notices you. Turn to the other neighbor and say, neighbor, God knows you. See, we're thinking to ourselves, God is over here in the distance. And there's a theology that says that God stays as far away as possible, but you don't understand. That was never the intention of God. God's intention was always that he would walk daily with mankind. In fact, I love this passage of Scripture. The Bible says among the people of Israel in their camps, he says, you need to find yourself a latrine, an area where all the people can go to the bathroom because the Lord your God walks in between the tents and all around you. So think about this. God is walking around your home. This is the plan of God. The idea of Emmanuel, Emmanuel, God with us. It's not God away from us. God with us. Some of you need to hear this message. You are struggling. You are having a difficult, a difficult time right now. God is with you. God is with us. That is a powerful message. When you start understanding this and remembering this, that's what Christmas is all about. Reminding yourself, remembering it is about Emmanuel, God with us. Some of you I know are struggling with sickness. Some of you are struggling to pay your bills. Some of you are struggling to get your license back. I know who you are. You know who you are. Some of you are going through all kinds of struggles. God is with you. You need to know this promise. God is with you. You. Some of you are saying, why are you repeating this, Pastor? Because the person that needs to hear this message needs to hear this message. God is not far from you. God is with you. That's always been his plan. The Bible says in verse 17, when they saw Mary and Joseph and the baby in this stone trough, they made known what had been told to them. I wondered to myself that would Herod have gone around preaching the gospel? Preaching the good news about this Messiah that's come? Probably not. He had too much to lose. Would rich businessmen have gone around telling people? They probably would have been among the circle of the rich, a few of them. But they probably would not have gone and shared the news with the lowliest of the low. So in order for the message to be preached to everyone, God chose the most humble of people to share this message to. Verse 18, and all who heard it were astounded and marveled. So think about this. These are not gifted orators. They have nothing to show, no skill in being able to preach or tell a story. But somehow there was a significance to the story that so blew the people away, the hearers and the listeners, and they realized there's a truth to this thing. And people, according to this, were astounded and marveled. In other words, they didn't just say, oh, that's really good. Good on you. That's awesome. I'm glad you had that experience. 
doesn't say that. The Bible says they were astounded. We're talking about jaw-dropping news. What? This happened? This is real? So you think to yourself, why is this significant? It's just a baby. Some angels appeared, these cuckoo heads that work out with the sheep, you know. Uh, they've probably been smoking the weed or the hay, you know. <laughs> and they're telling this story, you know. They probably just have one of those visions out in the dark. Yeah, sure. But there's something significant about these guys. And they went around telling people, and all who heard them, it says, marveled and were astounded with what they said. Now, the story doesn't end there. The Bible says that, when the shepherds returned, not just from seeing Mary, Joseph, and the baby. Now, I don't know who was looking after the sheep at this point. But they're going around telling everybody they can about this marvel, this incredible thing. And, of course, a gossip vine was faster than the Internet is going around. And everyone is hearing this amazing story of the Messiah to be born. But what was it? Here's the thing. What was it about what they saw that so revolutionized and changed the way that these shepherds thought and the way that the shepherds lived, that they would go out of their way preaching the gospel. See, the thing is, when you are truly marveling and astounded at who Jesus is, you can't help yourself but to share Jesus with other people. Yeah, I, want to, I want to drop a thought. This is not, no condemnation. It's just one of those things I just want you to meditate on over this Christmas period. How astounded are you with the gift of Jesus Christ for your life that it would cause you to go out of your way to share this good news with other people? Across this year, how many people have you shared the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to? I know, right? I'm so sorry. I just, I just dropped a bomb. Don't, don't, hate, don't hate the pastor. Just love you. Love you. It's just the message. Last night, I had this opportunity. I'm, I'm sitting there with one of Logan's workmates. And we, you know, we got into the conversation, and Logan was just so up. That's my pastor. He was really proud of it. And he's going, oh, Pastor, pastor Paul, very nice to meet you. And I began talking with the guy closest to me. And uh, you know, this is an opportunity God put right next to me. I'm going to be here for, you know, a few hours. So I began asking the question, so are you, are you a religious man? Do you go to church? And the guy started sharing his story. No, I'm a Catholic. Uh, I was raised a Catholic. My parents forced me to go to church and maybe do all these rites and religious stuff that when I grew older and I didn't have to, I pulled myself completely away from it. So I said, so you're an agnostic. You acknowledge that there is a God. You have a fear of God but you don't do anything about it. He goes, yeah, that, that's about right. <laughs> I said, <laughs> Craig knows. But, you know, and I began sharing my story with him because God has so impacted my life, I can't help it. If there's an opportunity where a stranger is sitting next to you, I, I forget who it was, I think it was D.L. Moody. If someone's going to sit with you for 20 minutes or longer, it's ample opportunity for you to share the gospel, 20 minutes or more. So I began sharing the story, and then he begins to open up later on in the conversation. We just kept meandering the story, and he says, my brother's actually a pastor. I said, what? He says, yeah, he was a Catholic. He, he too, hated the fact that his parents forced him to go to church. But when he came out, he began discovering God for himself. And I'm thinking, what an opportunity here. So I said, you understand that God has the same opportunity for you. God loves you. I'm here 
on purpose to talk to you. And I began sharing my personal testimony with this guy. I began sharing testimony messages. And you could tell by the time we finished, he's, he's now thinking, I probably should get to church. I hope he made it. I probably didn't make it to church this morning. It was a late night. I left early. I left early, by the way. But wow, is the gospel impacting you enough that you can't help yourself but share it? I want to challenge you that if you have not grown this year to the point that you are more in love with Jesus now than you were in January, then something is terribly wrong with your journey with the Lord. I want to challenge you for 2020 that you say a dangerous prayer. God, whatever it takes, reveal yourself to me. I want to know you like I've never known you before. Because I will tell you, you don't have to worry about sharing the gospel. Because when your life is so deeply impacted by the presence of God, it is a natural byproduct. That's your fruit. You'll tell people about who He is. But if He's made no impact on your life, you're too embarrassed to share about Him. You're too embarrassed to tell people you're a Christian. How many people pray in Mary McDonald's? That's <laughs> right. We did. Some of them, okay. You guys are really honest. Just to the person next to you, good for you. Good for you. You're honest. But that's the thing. I love Dale Moody. Uh, not Dale Moody, sorry. Who was it? Um, uh, it was a powerful man. Miracles and healings. He raised his wife from the dead. He was here. Uh, plumber. What's his name? Oh, my goodness. Great. This is not in my notes at all. I'm trying to remember. Who's that? Smith Wigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth came to Australia in the early 1900s. And I think it was after the World War. And he ends up uh, in a restaurant. And they're about, to, they're about to partake of their meal. And he gets up and he's looking around at all these people. And he stands up with his big voice, stop! And everyone stop at the, in the restaurant. Have you thanked the Lord for your meal? <laughs> Everyone's, you know, a bit of a fear of God back then. They all stopped. They said, let us give thanks to the Lord for this. And he began leading everyone in a prayer. We did that last night, didn't we? In the middle of this club. We didn't say stop. <laughs> I didn't stand up for everyone. But it was loud enough for everyone around us to hear. As we began giving God all the glory. For, for this man's life and for us being here and partaking together. How much has God impacted your life? I want you to know the sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ isn't just for the kings. In fact, they probably won't do it. It's not for the rich businessmen. They might share it. It's for you and me because we're the salt of the earth. We've got nothing to lose. We are people of no reputation. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm, no, I'm nobody. Turn to the other person and say, they're nobody. <laughs> we are nobodies. We've got nothing to lose. Have you got a reputation to lose? Really? Is it worth your reputation? Not sharing the gospel. What if in 2020 we began sharing? So God understood this, and he chose the despised to become the instruments of his message going out and everyone hearing about who this God is. No matter how great you are, no matter how small you are, God can use you. The shepherds effectively shared their story and they were so convincing that people marveled at what they said. But here I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start to uh, close a little bit, but let me pack it, up, uh, pack it down for you. Micah chapter 4 verse 8 says this. It's a prophecy. And you... O tower of the flock, the hill and stronghold of the daughter of Zion, 
Unto you the former dominion shall come, the kingdom of the daughter of Jerusalem. This is part of the same chapter, the passage, that the teachers of the law quoted to Herod the king, telling them where this king was to be born. It was prophesied the Messiah would come, that he would be born at the tower of the flock. Let me explain it to you. Break it down. This was a, the, the messianic sign that everyone would know this is peculiar. According to the Talmud, all cattle found in the area surrounding Jerusalem as far as Migdal Eder, that's the Hebrew word for tower of the flock, were deemed to be holy and consecrated and could only be used for sacrifices in the temple, in particular for the peace and Passover sacrifices. So, based on that prophecy, prominent Jewish writers concluded in the Midrash, Jewish wisdom teachings, that from all the places of Israel, it would be the Migdal Eder, where the arrival of the Messiah would be declared first. In other words, the tower of the flock, the Migdal Eder, is where the announcement of the arrival of the Messiah would come. Take a wild guess where the tower of the flock was. Bethlehem, just outside of Jerusalem. It was about five kilometers away at that time. They would sit high up and be able to look down. That's why they called it a tower, looking down on their flocks by night. So imagine this thing. By the way, it wasn't winter. Jesus wasn't born in December. You know that, right? Sorry, I just burst someone's bubbles. They're like, what? We're celebrating Christmas and he wasn't even born. No, but it's a festival of lights. Uh, many Messianic Jews believe Jesus was conceived at this time, but he was born nine months later. So there's some, there is a significance to this event. But let me keep going. Why what was Jesus revealed to the shepherds? Because according to the prophecy, the announcement of the arrival of the Messiah would come from Migdal Eder, the tower of the flock. And that's exactly where the angels appeared, at the tower of the flock, telling these shepherds, the only ones at that area, that this would be the arrival of the Messiah. There was a reason why Jesus didn't appear to Herod. There was a reason why, sorry, the angel Gabriel didn't appear to Herod. There's a reason why the angel did not appear to businessmen out in the city in Jerusalem. He had to appear at Migdol Eder five kilometers away from the city, out with the shepherds, because that was the place that Micah prophesied that, that the announcement of the arrival of the king would come. Let me go a little bit deeper. These weren't just ordinary shepherds. That, that word in Micah chapter 4, verse 8, all the sages understood that the sheep that were born in that area were holy, very special, consecrated to God. From them were chosen the Passover sheep for the temple sacrifices. So these weren't ordinary sheep, which means they weren't ordinary shepherds. These were the greatest of the shepherds entrusted with the care of these sheep that were to be used for the sacrifice. Let me tell you how profound it is. There is talk, by the way, if you're wondering about when is the next coming of Jesus Christ, I'll tell you the, the, key, the, the real key when the third temple is being rebuilt in Israel at the Dome of the Rock, which is right now Islamic property, it would take a miracle for that to be handed back to the Jews. It's not going to happen for a while yet. So I don't think Jesus is going to come right now. Some of you are like, oh, he's coming. No, not yet. Until the new temple is built, then you know. Okay, you've reached the end times. But until then, we're, all, we're living in the last days. But here's the thing. They've already bred the proper sheep that the Bible prescribed for Moses 
for the sacrifices. They're being looked after now at Megdal Eder right now. Those sheep are being bred, ready for the temple to be constructed so that they can start the sacrifices again. We're reaching end times. Powerful, isn't it? But let me keep going on. The signal to the shepherds of the unusual nature of his birth was not the swaddling clothes. I know I've heard preachers preach this. It was not the swaddling. All babies were wrapped in swaddling clothes. If, when your babies were born, women, you probably remember the doctor or the nurse would tie the baby up tightly. Am I correct? So that it mimicked the feeling of the womb. That's what the swaddling was for. It was the same deal. It was a tightening around the baby so the baby would feel secure like in the womb. The sign was the manger. Because the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Messiah of all, should not be born or based in a manger. This King of kings should be in the king's sanctuary. He should be in the household of the king. Instead, that was what made it so unusual. That the angel said, this King of kings, this Messiah to be born, is going to be born in the most humble of circumstances, in a hole in a cave carved out of rock. That's where you'll find the Messiah. I'm going to invite the musicians to come forward. Why don't we stand to our feet as I close? Soren Kierkegaard, the great theologian, once said this. He told the story. Suppose there was a king who loved a humble maiden. He was a great king, and he could have whatever he wanted. If he sent out his courtiers, they would say, Your majesty is about to confer a favor upon the maiden for which she can never be sufficiently grateful her whole life long. And that was a problem. Even if she wanted to come to the king, he would never know for certain if she loved him for himself. So he wrestled with his troubled thoughts alone. Finally, he decided that if she could not come up to his high station and be sure to love him freely, then he must descend to hers. He must descend, stripped of his royal power and wealth, for only then would he know if his beloved loved him freely. So he laid aside all his power and privileges, went to her as his equal to win her love. I want you to understand the sacrifice that Jesus made was indeed great. Not just that he would die on the cross for our sins, but he would be forever changed. He is God, and yet this part of who God is, the moment that he was birthed through Mary, through a woman, is now not just son of God, he is now fully also son of man. He would be forever changed from just God. He is a peculiar one. And that's why the Bible says that we would be wed to him one day. Because you can't wed a God, but you can wed this person who's son of man, son of God. What a powerful story. It is a love story of God who loves you so much that he decided, I need to find a way to be able to connect with this person because I'm so in love with them. But if I come in my greatness and glory, they may feel obligated and obliged. And he doesn't want that from you. What God wants is your heart. It's always been about your heart. From the beginning of time, it's always been about relationship with you. You are so holy 
You are so precious in the sight of God. Even the angels, when they see you, walk past them, declare, behold the image of God. Isn't that beautiful? Why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment? Father, there is no sacrifice good enough, great enough, to thank you for the gift of Jesus. There is nothing we could do for you to pay back what you have done for us. In fact, we have everything, we stand to gain everything, and you gain nothing out of this relationship because you love us. So this morning, Lord, as we remember you, and as we remember the gift that was given to us in the next few days, Christ Mass, as we celebrate the Christ, the Anointed One, we rededicate our lives to you. We declare our affection for you. We declare that we can do no great thing without you and that we are complete with you. So this morning, Father, we declare our love for you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining Life City Church, and we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Live City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.